Welcome to the one within all to the interverse. I'm your host Chance and I am as usual super stoked you've made it to this podcast because just by opening a show like this what we're about to do today you've demonstrated a willingness to question everything you've ever been told and if you're like me the more you question even the most basic stuff that people believe about this realm the more you find that we've taken for granted many things as truth that are just not so. And if the human world is built on such shaky foundations and inverted facts, why would the story about where we live be any different? Every culture has its mythological narratives that help us contextualize our life experience through common concepts and archetypes that we can see in nature. But what happens to a society that pretends to know things that are really just beliefs? The Star Wars generation was carefully seeded with stories of space adventures, alien civilizations, and the big black and starry emptiness that our meaningless hunk of rock aimlessly floats through. But this apathetic and atheistic aperture of a randomly generated and materially driven mechanistic cosmos was scripted by somebody who wanted you to think that way. For example, if the Vatican didn't want you to believe the heliocentric model of the solar system, then simply put, it wouldn't have become as popular as it did. And a so-called scientist from that same ancient and inverted institution is who created the Big Bang Theory that is so widely pretended and pretended to be settled and known for sure. And let's not forget that the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, a name that equals 666 in reverse gematria, while this branch of Hollywood known as NASA had many Nazis as founding members. And as we discussed last year with Crow 777, there's such a staggering amount of lies you can find in NASA's PR campaigns and public materials that it begs the question, if you can repeatedly catch someone in a lie, at what point do you just assume they're always lying? Governments, mainstream media, Hollywood... These leviathans levitate the weight of their falsehoods through the energy of collective belief in their validity. And as I see it, NASA is just another branch on that clepothic tree of deceit. So today we're going to be <laughs> breaking down all of these uh, glass ceilings that hold us back in a fictional reality worldview with David Weiss. David is all over the internet talking about flat earth, the globe conspiracy, and all other conspiracies, really, because things all tie together here. He's so prolific that I probably won't be able to point you to everything that you can find him doing in uh, this introduction, and we'll let him do that. But on YouTube, you can find him at D-I-T-R-H. There's also the Flat Earth Clock app that you can get on smartphones. That is really cool. I've been checking that out for the last couple of weeks. Thanks to our mutual friend, Rose. Rose Triple Seven on YouTube, who uh, showed me the app and pointed me to David's work a few months back. There's also the Flat Earth Podcast, which you can find linked in the show notes. And like I said, David's got a lot of things that he's been up to that I'm sure he'll let us know about. You can get the extended version of this episode, Hour Two, and the entire archive of extended Interverse podcast shows on Patreon. That's linked in the show notes as well. But man, I really want to get this party started. This is a topic we've never broached on the show other than tangentially, the shape of the earth and why it matters so much. And I'm really glad that today we are going to be introducing this important stuff with the globe-busting guru and helio-nonsensical nonsensical skeptic extraordinaire David Weiss. David, my man, thanks for being here and welcome to the Interverse. Yeah, that's such a great, uh, great introduction. Appreciate it. And a lot to unpack from there. You, you know, you said... Uh, for those of you that haven't looked into flat earth, it's not the shape of the earth that matters. The shape doesn't matter. It's the lie that matters. And our whole lives are based on a foundation of the ball earth from before we could talk. We were indoctrinated, you know, with a 
probably a mobile over our crib and in all the children's programming, it's all uh, globe earth programming. And then all of our cartoons and television shows and movies, they're all space related. Think of how many space related shows there are in movies. And we all love extraterrestrials and the idea of all of that. Well, that's not lost with the flat earth. It actually makes even more sense when we get into it. I think it's most important to recognize the lie as well, because uh, the only way that we can come to the truth is by ruling out what it's not. Truth is sort of like your rights. It's negative in nature. It's self-evident. It's just what is. And whenever we try to put a description on truth, which is eternity, which is infinity, it's always going to be in some way lacking in description because of the way that symbolic language works and how it confines and compartmentalizes things. So if we can at least rule out where we're not, we're, we're closer to understanding where we truly are. We, we have to realize that, you know, we're brought up in this world in the education system. You know, the school system actually teaches you not to think. It teaches you to memorize and regurgitate and not verify. Because in school, if you're a good memor memorizer and you can regurgitate that information perfectly, then you get an A. And with, a, with an A and a, and a diploma, you have the hopes of a, of a, of a great job. Um, you, have a, you have the hopes of great success. But in reality, they're throwing pseudoscience at us. And, and we just believe it because, as you know, in the words of our mutual friend Crow, belief is the enemy of knowing. It's easy to believe. Uh, knowing takes time, effort, critical thought, and effort. Yeah, and once we think we know something, especially that foundational, like what the, how the cosmos is structured and where we are, once we think we know that, like you said at the beginning, we build everything else off of that foundation. So I right. guess my question for you is, uh, what did it take for you to actually finally break that foundation down and start to explore that? Yeah, uh, just one, one quick thing, and I'll, I'll answer that, is we have world beliefs. We gather data. We gather, let's just take aliens, for example, extraterrestrials. We, hey, I've seen, some, I've seen some stuff myself. I've seen uh, lots of videos. I've seen testimony. I've, I start getting a belief in these unidentified flying aircraft and possibly other beings. And I wrap that around my worldview. I wrap that around my, my belief in the globe. But what if you had a different belief that, um, or a, a different understanding, which we, hopefully we will by the end of the show, that the world isn't a globe and it's a flat plane? Well, all of that information actually lays over the flat earth a lot better. It makes a lot more sense. And then you'll be like, wow, you know, and you're not giving up the idea of extraterrestrials. I believe there's extraterrestrials. Extra terra is territory, extra land. So the etymology of the words um, mean a lot. And there is on the flat earth plane, there is more land beyond Antarctica and possibly beyond um, the North Pole. And so I'm a little concerned about the way that we order the information. Not because I think we'll say anything wrong, but because if there is anyone that has up to this point not uh, allowed themselves to explore this thought experiment of, well, how would a flat earth work? I want them to maybe be walked through what the flat earth means to you, because 
there's so many different models besides just heliocentric and geocentric. And I think that matters. And you really brought up a good point with the uh, extraterrestrial just in the word. We explore word magic constantly on that show. So what is that word really telling us? And I, I'm with you. I think that I think for me, just to say like how I got here, it was actually through studying syncretism, trying to figure out how all the different occult uh, systems of information fit together in one sort of <laughs> neat package. And that led me to this uh, understanding as well. I mean, I, overall, I call myself earth shaping agnostic, not because I'm afraid to take a stance about whether or not I think we live on a globe. I don't believe that. But uh, I also am willing to say I don't know. But syncretism, I think, is what you're describing um, with the, the Flat Earth Clock app. You can see the, the way the Zodiac overlays it. It's really something. And um, <clears throat> forgot to mention to everybody, we've got a video version of this show like every other podcast. But David will probably be sharing some imagery during the conversation that will be worth your time to check out on YouTube. Although we'll be as descriptive of, as we can for the uh, audio listeners. So, so the thing that got me into it, you know, I was doing conspiracy podcasts, looking at all the deceptions in the world and really analyzing what we're being shown on the news and what's real. And the world is really a deceptive place. And I was speaking with a fellow researcher, Sophia Smallstorm, and we were going over some crazy, stupid event that was being pushed on the news that was obviously not real. And uh, I, I said to her, Sophia, it's just amazing how much, uh, how much deception there is in this world. And she goes, oh, David, it's worse than that. I think the earth might be flat. And literally, before I, we got on the phone, I had spent the last half hour banning people from our social media for even suggesting that I look at the flat earth, right? Because that's what any smart person would do. You know, you're wasting my time. Flat earth, I don't need to look into that. That's ridiculous. You know, we all know for 5,000 or 2,000 years or 500 years that the earth has been uh, is a spinning globe. And uh, then I said, okay, that's it. And I went into it, unlike when I go into other conspiracies, I go into, you know, investigate something open-minded. It could go this way, it could go that way. Let's see where the evidence takes us. But I went into this saying, I'm going to disprove flat earth and I'm going to prove flat earth. So I, so I went in with a bias. Two weeks later, I came out the other side, holding my head going, oh my God, the earth is not a spinning globe. You, can't, you don't just jump to flat earth. You realize the spinning globe helio nonsensical model is complete and total nonsense. And then you have to figure out what it is from there. How the flat earth is constructed? Well, we have lots of ideas. There's different models, but anything beyond the shoreline of Antarctica or anything above as high as we can go as civilians is speculation. So we'll, we'll investigate those areas throughout this conversation, but there's plenty of proof right under our feet, right where we are, that prove the earth is flat and stationary. Yeah, and when you start looking into the proofs, it's like, it's ridiculous how many uh, pieces of evidence there are that can disprove heliocentric model or spinning globe yeah. model, uh, like yeah. a crazy amount. But there's, there's, there's so many ways to look at it and things that you can point out that it's not, not all of the proofs or evidences might be as airtight as others, which there's just so much uh, contention about this topic. It's like everybody that claims to be a skeptic has got their debunking flat earth videos and YouTube has to put under this very video. I'm sure YouTube is going to put a disclaimer about how this is an archaic model of thinking and a link to Wikipedia about it. 
So uh, let's maybe talk about some of the things that can it, disprove what we've been taught uh, before we move into more yeah. of the other areas here. Yeah, when, when you first hear about flat earth, you go, there's a million proofs to the earth is a globe. And, you know, sticks and shadows and seasons and day and night and uh, sunsets. And, and you have all of this list. But then when you start looking at them, you see, huh, I never thought of that. I never thought of that. And uh, eventually you throw your hands up and say, why the lie? What, what, why would they lie? What's the motive? And we'll get into that. Um, I'd like to get into that later after we go through it. But here's the problem. The people that hate flat earth the most, the people that get triggered by it, have two things in common. One is they don't know what the flat earth is. They think it's a disc floating in space with a bunch of other heliocentric, um, you know, uh, globe planets. They think it's, you know, a disc with, you know, flying in space, a floating turn up. Uh, but if you Google flat earth, you end up at the flat earth society. If you Google images of flat earth, you end up with flat earth society, excuse me, images. And uh, the flat earth society is a controlled disinformation site to make you laugh at flat earth and make you never look at it again. The other thing they have in common is they have no idea what the heliocentric model is. They have no idea that the earth is spinning at a thousand miles an hour at the equator, a thousand miles an hour. That means when you're watching the sunset, you believe that you're falling over backwards faster than the speed of sound. And that's making the sun appear to go down. You believe that you're orbiting, speeding up and slowing down as you go around the sun at 66,000 miles an hour. Excuse me, losing my voice. <clears throat> you also believe while you're spinning and orbiting in those ellipses, that speeding up ellipse, that you're chasing the sun at a half a million miles an hour and the entire system is moving sideways at like one to two million miles an hour. While all that's going on, you experience none of that. You experience no motion. Imagine you're driving in a car and you have a dinner plate and you're on a straight, perfectly smooth road, 100 miles an hour, and somebody pours an inch of water on that dinner plate. No problem. That car takes a turn. What's going to happen? The water's going to slosh. But we have lakes that are mirrors. You know, you look at the, uh, a lake early in the morning and it's mirroring the background. You know, we can build uh, rock sculptures that float, that, that balance perfectly. And there's, excuse me, there's no momentum or anything. Do you experience any moving? Have you ever been in an earthquake? You, you muted. Yeah, no, I've never been in an earthquake, but to, to me, yeah, the uh, inertia argument seems sound to me. I mean, how come... That happens in a car, but not to the whole planet. Like, why would the laws of physics just be different because it's bigger? Oh, that's where the mythical gravity comes in. But <laughs> yeah, and and the whole the whole gravity thing is that they say that they have no idea what gravity is. They have no idea how it works. They have to add dark matter and dark energy into it to be ninety six percent of it, and it still doesn't work. So. Once you start looking at that, the, the whole heliocentric model starts unwinding, and uh, then you could see. Um, I like to talk about the, what's called the three-body problem. Do you know what the three-body problem is? I do not. Okay. So we're told that the Earth is falling around the sun, and the sun's gravity is holding on to the Earth. Okay? The sun is like a, a basketball, and the Earth is a marble that's like a quarter of a mile away. 
right? They're ridiculous. And the, and the sun's gravity is holding onto the earth. Well, they can take us, NASA can take a supercomputer and model it. I've got a ball this big, it's got this much gravity. I got a smaller ball, it's got this much gravity. Set them in orbit and they work like a perfect clock. They can predict where it's gonna be in a thousand years from now. And it's perfect. It's a perfect model. But then they add a third body in, another planet going around the sun or a moon going around the earth, another object, program in the gravity, throw it in and the entire model falls apart. It becomes random and unpredictable, okay? In our solar system, we have something like 80 bodies, planets and moons and all sorts of stuff. And everything revolves perfectly, like a perfect clock. You go out tonight, look at where the stars are in the sky at a specific time. Next year, same night, same time. Those stars will all be in the exact same position. But meanwhile, you know, we are flying and twirling and whirling and we're billions of miles where we were on the last time you looked. And every star is the same. There's no, no movement whatsoever. That's impossible. Impossible. And eclipses also, do you know that eclipses go on a cycle every 18 years and a couple days, I forget the number. Uh, then they repeat again and again and again, like a clock. Yeah. Amazing, right? Eclipses are one of the greatest things to research to find amazing amazing uh things that'll blow your mind yeah. like my friend derek who does a lot of gematria work over the last couple of years almost everything he does he's been able to tie back through numbers and through symbolism everything back to eclipses and that all the false flags and the celebrity death rituals in the media and all the things they're constantly bombarding you with are actually they're tying it back to eclipses and they're tying things together in a lot of ways but right what i, I think goes on there is that they because um, evil is inversion and it's not creative, it thinks that it has to use, like uh, it thinks that it has to get every little component exactly right and aligned to manifest its will on the dimension. But in, you know, someone who's doing good, trusting God, so to speak, trusting themselves to just be good and do the right thing, they don't worry about trying to line up every little like occult number and synchronicity that they can and wear the right color and do it on the right day. They just do the right thing the moment that they need to. And yep. uh, anyway, this is kind of a tangent, but something I've been thinking about lately, why, like, why do they uh, need to, for example, when it comes to the model that they give us about how far away the sun is and the relative size of the moon to the sun and how there's all these weird um, numerical yeah. significances to that. I mean, to me, that looks the like it was just crafted by Freemasons mathematically to make it seem like a a model that was consistent sure. with like the, the clockwork perfection of the cosmos. So think about this three body problem. The moon is falling around the earth. Okay. Well, first the earth is falling around the sun in this orbit. So the sun's gravity is holding on to the earth holds it. So it repeats again and again and again, and never varies year to year to year, century to century. The moon is falling around the earth. So the earth's gravity is holding on to the moon. When the moon passes right in between the sun and the earth, how come the sun's gravity doesn't rip it away or just tug it just a little bit, just to throw it out of sync, like the three body problem that NASA has and, uh, or any computer, you know, software has, uh, it makes zero sense, right? I'm going to say some crazy things today. I'm going to say some things that make sense. 
And you're going to notice all the crazy things they're trying to explain the heliocentric model and all of the things that make sense. Like, oh, the, you know, that makes sense. You know, water, large bodies of water at rest lay flat. They don't bend over a ball, okay? We can see too far. We can see way beyond where that curve should be. Have you looked into any of those tests that have been done? Oh, yeah, that's one of the best black swan examples, if you will, is just like uh, how far away you could see an oil platform out on the horizon, things like that. And, of course, what they'll tell you is it's an optical illusion. Uh, It's just your eyes tricking you. (laughs) And so it's always some kind of magical reason why your senses are lying to you. And I think that that's why it's so important that this is the foundational belief for everybody if you want to build an evil inverted society anti-nature because the first thing you have to do is get people to disbelieve the evidence of their own senses and then once you can do that um, on the most important scale ever like where you live and what you literally see in nature then it's easy to make them convinced that some you know injecting poison into your bloodstream is going to somehow make you more healthy well that's kind of where we're going with why the lie you know if you could if you believe that you're on a speck flying through an infinite universe a godless or distant God universe at best where you're a random accident that happened after lightning struck, created an amoeba that turned into a monkey that turned into a human. Uh, you have no significance. You're lost in space and you can be convinced of everything uh, rather than we are at the center of creation and we are powerful uh, beings having a soul's journey here in this realm, I'll call it on this plane of existence uh, it's it changes everything, and you realize that nobody has dominion over you. It's even in the word planet. It's plane T, and a T is right. a cross, and that's the vertical and horizontal axis of the plane, with north being the vertical axis. I mean, it's literally in the word planet. Wow, yeah, it's absolutely true. This picture I'm showing here is the, what we call the black swan. It's an oil rig that there should be at the height of the camera, taken into account using globe math. To, to figure out the curvature, the, they should, you should, should not be able to see the surface of the water past 1.2 miles away, I believe. And we can see the water at the oil rig and for miles beyond it. And at the oil rig, there should be 59 feet of curvature. It should be behind a 59-foot wall of water, but we can see it. And the only explanation that the globe supporters have is that refraction is lifting up the water beyond it right to the perfect level, not higher, not lower. It's just lifting it up perfectly, and it's not touching the oil platform. It's not refracting the oil platform. It's just refracting the water that's beyond it. It's insane. It's insanity. It's definitely magical child thinking. <laughs> but I, you know, I don't want to say that to like rip on people that believe this because obviously you were taught this since you were a child, and I, I, it's a it's it's a hard pill to swallow but it's also like empowering because it's really empowering to just be like okay i know that i'm being lied to what's what's actually happening what's actually here because then you go on the journey of asking questions and that's the the place to be it's easy to fool somebody it's more difficult to convince them they've been fooled that's a famous quote and it's the truth because you know we're trusting beings and we don't like to admit that we've been fooled and this is a big one this is ripping out the foundation of your entire entire worldview. But once you allow it and you unwind it and you realize, okay, there is some evil in this world that I was unaware of, uh, then you get empowered. Uh, Let me describe what the flat earth is. Okay. I said, it's not a disc in space. 
And the best way I like to describe it is um, start off small with a, the, after a rain shower, there's a puddle. And where does that puddle accumulate? It accumulates at the low spot in the land. And the edge of the puddle is where the land is just higher than the water surface. You with me? Okay. And so now expand that to a pond. A pond is just a bigger puddle. And the shoreline of the pond is the land that's higher than the water surface. And I'll go to a lake. It's a bigger pond. Same thing. And imagine there's some islands in the lake. Those are piles of land that are just higher than the lake, in the, higher than the surface. And the edge of the lake is just the land that's higher than all of the lake. So the water lays flat in the, in the um, depression of the land, in the basin, if you will. So now look at all of the world's oceans and think of it as a giant pond. And all of the continents are islands within that pond. And the shoreline that surrounds the pond isn't the edge of a distant space. It's the edge of, the, uh, of where the land is higher than the water. And we call that land Antarctica. And Antarctica is the highest land on Earth. Now, if you went on a boat, went to any country, any islands, Caribbean, Hawaii, whatever, you can pull up to the shore and you can walk into town and you're good. But if you go to Antarctica, the land is 200 feet over your head, okay? We live in the Antarctic basin. It's, we're surrounded by Antarctica. And on this chart I'm showing here, there's a pink line, which is a 60 degree south latitude. And nobody is allowed to independently explore south of that line, okay? There was a treaty, the Antarctic Treaty in 1957, uh, and that all the countries in the world signed on to, amazing, you know, to protect the penguins and the ice. But we're allowed to deforest the Amazon, no problem. But we must protect the penguins and the ice. Nobody could drop a cigarette butt down there. And this treaty can't even be questioned until the year 2041. Does that seem a little suspicious? I actually didn't know about that. I've heard of all kinds of stories of people trying to circumnavigate Antarctica and that the distance that they travel before they return to where they started was like unbelievable. But I don't, I don't know where to find that source, for example, but uh, I, I have all that information. I'm going to show it to you when I show the app and tell you what it does. Uh, and again, I'm just pointing towards some doors here for everyone to look at. Don't believe anything I say, go verify it yourself. Watch the videos, see the information in the videos. Don't be like, well, it's a video. It's on YouTube. Therefore it's worthless. No, there is worthless stuff on YouTube and there's informal, informal, informational stuff on YouTube. It's just a platform. And by the way, YouTube has been deleting all of the truth. I'm sure that you're aware of, but yeah, and I'll, we're able to get all good. I want, let me also say, we'll talk about North or uh, the North pole in the, yeah. on its own later, but the same is true of the North pole. All the countries have like all the major countries have a military presence there. You can't actually go there. And, right. uh, that's a whole nother story. <laughs> what is North? But let's yeah. continue with the Antarctica. Yeah. So and then we'll talk about why nobody says, hey, I want to go to the North Pole, because we've all been programmed very carefully by National Geographic that we don't want to go there. That it's cold, it's windy, there's nothing there, it's horrible. But Antarctica is off limits. Now there's 15 different companies are about that you can uh, go do a, a, a vacation there. You can go see the Antarctica. But those 15 companies are owned by the same guy, okay? Hmm, that's interesting. It'll cost you ten to thirty or $40,000 to go there just for a couple days. They'll show you the shoreline and some penguins. They'll take you out south a little bit. 
They'll show you a ceremonial pole stuck in the ice and they'll tell you it's the South Pole, but it's just a pole, okay? It's not the South Pole and you can't verify it because compasses don't work down there and GPS doesn't work down there. So you just have to take their word for it. So there's a lot of um, issues with Antarctica, but in the app, there's a, there's a, in the frequently asked questions section, there's what about Antarctica, click that and you'll find all the information on the Antarctic Treaty, uh, how seasons don't make sense. Uh, I'll, I'll show you all that. But again, if you question the Antarctic Treaty, a lot of people go, that's not true. Well, we had a lawyer who went through all of the details of the Antarctic Treaty and put it together in a 30 minute video that if you watch that video, you'll know there's something up. And if you want to explore Antarctica, it's going to cost you a minimum of $200,000 in permit fees that you will be denied. And then they keep the non-refundable fees. Well, there's a nice barrier to entry right there. <laughs> yeah. And the, and the physical barrier of entry too. Even if they let you, where are you going? It's dark. It's cold. You can't navigate. There's no fuel. There's no food. There's nothing. You know, how are you going to do it? I also really like the stories of Admiral Byrd. Um, although who knows what is and isn't true about that because it's right. military connected, but that's interesting too. Uh, the, the story of, uh, I guess he was a Navy Admiral that went down there and claimed he went past Antarctica and found an, another civilization there, which might just be encoded in like a wink and a nod for those that already know that there's extra land beyond that ice wall, as they call it. And yeah. that in the syncretic worldview, that's actually um, what you would call like mm -hmm. Mars. That's actually the next ring out in the ringlands. And you, there's so many mythologies like. that describe this very structure to the plane we're on more than way more human history talks about reality this way than the uh, spinning globe, empty void speck of dust have, model. Have you heard the story of the iron Republic? Yeah, that's what that that's what Bird called the civilization that he encountered, right? Was was it Bird that I think I thought it was somebody else that did that? Maybe maybe was, I'm mixing up yeah, yeah. Uh, stories actually. Admiral Bird thought he found he said he saw land full of resources bigger than the United States that no one's ever stepped foot on. And then there was another senator that uh, was that had gone on a boat and went through and ended up on the other side of Antarctica, was lost at sea. And, and ended up at the Iron Republic. All of this information was put out in a series of articles in a magazine called Florida Magazine. And uh, it was, it's an amazing story, but you can't find a single copy of that magazine with those articles in it anymore. It has been wiped. Now, if you know how you know, eBay and the internet works and the dark web, you can find anything. You wanna find you know, a specific article and a specific thing, you can find it, somebody has it. You can't find any of these anywhere. Fascinating. Yeah, we definitely know how controlled the internet is. They actually, I read that uh, even the Wayback Machine, archive.org, where you can go and look up the internet as it was at a certain time and date and even find pages that aren't published anymore in the present. Even that is being targeted for uh, redactions. <laughs> right. So, so again, uh, there's a, I did a, um, a, uh, a talk with Sophia Smallstorm called The Outward Flow of Civilizations. It's on my YouTube channel, D-I-T-R-H, the initials for Deep Inside the Rabbit Hole. And we talk about how it's possible that the sun that was used to be in this realm moved outwards, and the people that were alive back then 
maybe the Aztecs and the Incas and all of these civilizations that just picked up, they all moved out south. Imagine if all of the north froze over and it didn't even thaw in July and it was just the ice was getting worse and worse and worse every year, uh, what would you do? We would all migrate southwards. And if our sun was migrating southwards, then we would just move with it. We would leave everything here, which would be frozen over, kind of like Antarctica is now, but there's maps of Antarctica that show it with, you know, not frozen with, you know, civilizations there. So my belief is perhaps civilizations are flowing outwards over time. It, it makes sense. Uh, we talked before we got on the air about the Norbs video. I'm going to link that yep. in the show notes because it's a really cool artistic graphical representation of a way that maybe this could work, could be structured, but that, to return to the idea of the North Pole, that that's like if the uh, if the place that we live is alive itself and it's an organism of sorts and that everything is life, which I think it is, uh, then that North Pole would be sort of like the spinal cord or the column of energy, the the uh, main chakras of the realm, if you will. And as we know from our own biology, our bioenergy pulses from the core out to the surface and it is right is structured in a similar way. And we, you know, we grow from a seed, so to speak, and push outwards and the rings of a tree are constantly expanding and showing the age of that tree and how many civilizations of the past conceived of the realm we're in through the tree of life metaphor. And maybe that's what this ring structure fractally correlates to is the way a tree expands and the way it grows. Wow. You know what? I never even put it together like that, but that just gave me chills, man. That's dead on. (laughs) <laughs> that's uh that's what i that makes a lot of sense i gotta think about that so let me show my app a little bit let me show you just how a few things work for those of you that are new to this and 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 then you'll kind of understand and we can take it from there is that good very there? good very good okay so so i described we live in the in the antarctic basin and everything we see and the sky is within the Earth system. It's not in the solar system. It's in within the Earth system. So the sun goes around once every 24 hours, as you can see. And the moon goes around basically once every 24 hours. But if I speed it up, you'll see it's, it's actually slightly less. The sun is actually going slightly faster than the moon. And it will lap the moon once every 28 days. So the sun keeps track of the hours and the days. The moon and its phases keep track of the weeks and the months. They used to be called moons. And then if I turn on the stars, the stars spin around slightly faster than the sun, just slightly. So slightly that they only lap the sun once a year unlike the sun lapping the moon every 28 days. So that way the sun will move into the constellation that's behind it because it'll catch up every month. It'll be in another constellation. So the stars keep track of the seasons and the years. So the sky is a perfect clock. This doesn't work in a beehive, crazy, heliononsensical solar system and galaxy. This only works with things in fixed positions over the sky, over, within, the, within our sky. 
Right. And just the fact that those constellations are still what they were from all the ancient literature that we know about, then, yeah, we're, how are we moving billions of miles over the thousands of years into a different quadrant of the uh, galaxy, but yet all the stars that are supposedly so far away haven't even shifted a uh, quantum. Right. They're all perfectly lined up with, you know, pyramids and, uh, you know, the Georgia Guidestones has a North Star hole. You look through it and there's the North Star. You know, how is that possible in this spinning, whirling, twirling uh, system? So if you look at the sun, there's, there's a yellow line, which is the outer line. It's the Tropic of Capricorn. And on December 21st, the sun is over the Tropic of Capricorn. And on June 21st, it's over the inner circle, which is the Tropic of Cancer. And in June, it's the inner north's height of the summer. And in December, end of December, is the outer south uh, summer. And that's because the sun is over the outer south. And it's higher in the sky and closer. And that's why it's warmer. They have more direct sunlight. Right now, our sun is low in the sky. When we look at it, it's kind of off to the side. It's low in the sky. Think of an airplane um, flying over your head, straight over your head at 10,000 feet. There's the airplane. It's high in the sky. Same airplane, same height, just 20 miles to your left. It's lower in the sky. It's off to the side, just like our sun is. Okay, That's how we have our summer and our winter. Does that make sense? Yep, you're muted. Sorry. If we're looking at the North Pole as in the middle of a ring system, then uh, we have those tropics of Capricorn and Cancer being rings that sort of uh, divide it into more sections, right? And the sun is oscillating between being on one line, one ring that's more close to the north, and then one that's further out. And yep. it gives that uh, it gives that sense that it's, lower in the sky but it's really just closer or further overhead it makes a lot of sense it makes way more sense than the idea that somehow the seasons are caused by us being closer to the sun or further away from the sun yet some uh parts of the world have the opposite seasonal trend like in australia for example it's well they, they say it's because we're tilted directly at the sun you know during the inner north's summer we're tilted directly sort of towards the sun, and we're told that that direct sunlight causes the season. But when we're tilted away, that same column of sunlight is spread over a bigger area. So it kind of makes sense, less energy, less heat, but it really doesn't make any sense. For one, in our summer, the northern summer, when we're tilted towards the sun, we're in the heliocentric model, we're three or four million miles farther from the sun than during our winter. That's counterintuitive. But if you think about a sunrise, if you go to the beach in the summer and the sun is rising, as soon as you see the sun on the horizon, you can feel the heat on your face blasting very, very strong. <clears throat> and then you know, within a couple minutes, you know, you have the full heat of the sun. But now in December to January, you go outside at the height of the day where the sun is the highest in the sky. It has a much more direct angle and you can't even feel the heat. There's like no, even though it's a direct angle, much more than the difference in the seasons from the tilt. It's, you don't feel the heat and that's because it's farther away. 
Try that. Go out the height of the day in the middle of the winter, look at the sun, feel the heat, and then do the same thing in the summer, right when the sun is literally, you know, at an 89 degree tilt right on the horizon, you'll feel the heat. So that tells you something. Yeah. And (laughs) yeah, this is just one of the ways that we can start, if we're paying attention, start noticing this stuff for ourselves really easily. And it's just time that we uh, can trust our senses more and don't take things for granted just because that's the story we've been told about something. And uh, so do you want to show more of this app while we're in the screen share here? Yeah, real, real quick. Uh, the north is in the center. Every direction away from the center is south. East and west are circles around the center. So if you want to dead wreck in 90 degrees with your compass, imagine you're holding a compass on this map and you're dead wreck in 90 degrees, you have to keep turning to the left so your compass needle keeps pointing at the north. And you're going in a circle, even though your compass tells you you're going straight. That's how it works. That doesn't prove the Earth is flat or globe because it's the same on a globe and a, and a flat Earth, right? East and west are circles. Every straight line eventually goes south and hits Antarctica. So I have a little video. Oh, go ahead. Well, so uh, what would you say to, about, you know, people that say, what about pilots and uh, how come they don't have to navigate differently? You're saying that they, because of the flight paths they're allowed to take and what parts of the world they are and aren't able to travel over, that they wouldn't necessarily be able to tell one way or the other what, what they were over? Uh, they, a lot of pilots know. A lot of pilots just don't pay attention. They're just following their, you know, autopilot and... They think the earth is so big that they can't figure it out. But there's many, many pilots that no. some have spoken out. Some have spoken out publicly and they lose their jobs. So there's lots that are keeping quiet. Uh, Qantas Airlines is the biggest airline uh, that that has to deal with this problem because with their southern uh, long distance flights. Today's uh, as the day of this recording, there's a, uh, uh, a video. The featured video of the day on the app is about. Uh, Qantas flights from Australia to Mexico, they don't exist. And that's because the earth is flat and we show you why in the video. So um, if you hit the question mark on the app, up come the frequently asked questions and you could hit the, you know, hey, what about Southern flights? Or, you know, what about seasons? And, or, you know, why the lie? And if it click like why the lie, up come a playlist of videos about why the lie and that Google won't serve you. If you want to, you know, search about, uh, you know, the Southern flights. Up come all the videos about Southern flights that'll teach you about what's going on. The Southern flights are some of the most interesting and flat earth proving stuff out there. So again, this is stuff that if you try to research flat earth on your own, you're not going to find it. The app will bring you to all of that stuff. And then or you'll there, get the debunker that says why the Southern flight uh, argument doesn't hold yeah. water. So if you go to the, the little web button on there, it brings you to this page where we have all different stuff. There's all different uh, other websites and, and interesting stuff. Bottom right, mud floods and Tataria. Very interesting. Um, but the center bottom is debunking the debunkers. And that's where we have the page shills. We have the national geographic, the Nat, you know, the Nat Geo hit pieces, the professor, Dave, who's not a professor. He's just a page shell. And we take their videos that debunk the stuff and we just break it down and we say, look, this is what he did here. This is what he did here. And we show you that they're complete and total nonsense. 
None of these guys will talk to us live. They only do pre-recorded, highly scripted, um, you know, mocking hit pieces that for a non-thinking person, you'd be like, oh, yeah, that must be true. But for a thinking person, we've, destruct, we've uh, deconstructed it all for you in those videos. I saw a hit piece on you today when I was Googling you. And oh, it was about how there, yeah. it was about how dare David Weiss use the crisis of the pandemic to try to get people to download his app. How dare he? Uh, did I do that? I might have. Because, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think maybe you talked about the crisis and you mentioned you have an app. And so there you go. That means that. Yeah. And I, sometimes I wear a shirt that says pandemic on it when I do these. Yeah. And, <laughs> and you can uh, buy that shirt for me, right? You have a Teespring. If you uh, if you hit the the um, settings in the app, there's also all these different backgrounds. You can pick different backgrounds. It's kind of cool. Um, but in the settings, if you scroll down, there's my T-shirt shop, and we have all sorts of cool T-shirts. If you want to like subtly what we call flat smack people, and there's also uh, COVID stuff related in there. But there's all sorts of customizations on here. You can figure it all out. You can hide whatever you don't want to use on the app, make it a little more clean. It does a ton of stuff, but what I tell people is take the Flat Earth Clock App Challenge, which is watch one video a day, the featured video every day for two weeks, and then you will know that uh, the Earth is not a spinning ball. But what happens is people go, oh, you know, I saw you on uh, whatever show, and I bought your stupid app for $2.99, and I don't want to wait every day for the video, so I hit the archive button, and when you hit the archive button, up comes all the videos from the current month, and if you hit the little hamburger at the top, all of the other videos from all of the other months are in there. Uh, and you, there's no way you can get through one month worth of videos and not know that you are uh, on a, not a spinning ball earth, uh, to, to just put it that way. There's tons of other stuff in there. Like here, you know, people ask about time zones. Here's how time zones work. You know, it's right now, it's 4 a.m. in Eastern Australia. It's 7 p.m in uh in in johannesburg south africa in africa so the wherever the sun is it's noon and the it just brings its light with it and it goes around and you could see what time it is so if you want to call your friend in uh in australia i i would wait a little bit because it's early in the morning there so this way you know what time it is it's pretty easy or you could just ask your digital assistant siri or google if you have that i'm going to use this instead of trying to do date and time conversions online when I'm connecting with someone in another country to do a show, I'm going to be like, okay, what time is it there? I'm going to use this clock because it's so cool. It works really well. So there's also, you know, if I, if I hit the, there's a, it shows you the current wind patterns. So we can, we can look at wind patterns uh, that are happening over the earth and wind patterns are amazing. They, they don't do these crazy up and down swoops. They do, they, they go to, um, you know how they show us the trade winds, that there's these crazy sine wave that goes up and down? That never made any sense to me. The you know, jet stream, us, if you will. Yeah, the that jet whole stream. Thing. But if you convert it to a flat Earth map, it's perfect circles. It's amazing. <laughs> it it kind of reminds me of sort of the esoteric idea of the uh, serpent wrapped around the cosmic egg and when you look at the jet stream on a globe, how it's winding around the globe like a serpent, as opposed to it just being a natural spiral force that to right. me, that makes way more sense. It's just a natural it's, <laughs> it's, 
it looks way cleaner, that's for sure. And I've also seen, I don't know 100% about this, but I've also seen ley lines gridded on a globe versus glo- uh, a flat model and that the ley lines looked more geometrically correct as well. Yeah, you know, I've seen it where they're laid out with the flower of life and, and stuff. I haven't really gotten into that that much, but there are, you know, there are ley lines. If you look at all the pyramids, there's pyramids. We all know about Giza that has the three pyramids that point towards Orion's belt. Well, there's other pyramids around the world that do the same thing. That's impossible on a ball, okay? This is only works on a flat earth with stars, everything in above us, rotating above us. So what other questions do you have? I mean, I, could, I know what questions are out there, but do you have any specific questions? Uh, specific questions? I'm, I don't have anything at this exact moment that I want to broach before the second hour, other yep. than if you wanted to discuss any other aspects of proof that are useful or other resources. Uh, I'd like to maybe make the second hour more about why the lie and maybe more okay. about syncretism and uh, sure and, and that whole chestnut. But for now, I mean, like there's videos out there with hundreds of flat earth, flat earth proofs. Are there any experiments, I guess is a question I would ask. Are there any experiments <clears throat> you've done personally? They can be very simple that maybe someone else could do to test this whole thing like the because uh, you can look at images of an oil tanker and. The image says, okay, we're X miles away and that should be this far down in curvature. But, you know, how high up does someone need to get and what kind of line of sight would they need to do that experiment themselves where they live with something? Um, Could you help them maybe start to do their own research in the physical world? Absolutely. Our optics have outgrown their lies. So you can buy a Nikon P900 camera or P1000 camera and it has a super zoom on it, and you could watch a boat disappear from the bottom up over the horizon, and you're like, oh, Bill Nye told me that's because we're going over a ball, and if the Earth was a ball, and we could live on a ball, that actually would happen. But once you see it disappear, you can get your super zoom zoom camera and zoom right back in on it, and there it is again. So if it went over a physical horizon, you shouldn't be able to do that. It all has to do with the angular resolution limits of our eyes. Um, there's a couple of phenomena here. The bottom of the ship, its angle is the smallest angle. The top of the ship, you have a greater angle to view it. So the bottom will disappear first. And then there's another thing called the wave front edge, where the little waves in the foreground are blocking entire skylines in the background. So think about this. If you look straight down, like a plumb line down, that's a 90 degree angle to the floor, right? You with me? So then you look 20 feet in front of you, draw a line from your eye to 20 feet in front of you. Well, now that's kind of like a, I don't know, 45, 40, 30 degree view. And the farther out you drag that line, the closer it gets to level. It's rising to your eye level on a flat floor. So if I'm at a Home Depot, when I run a line from my eye down the longest aisle to the other end of the floor, that line is almost parallel with the floor from the way I see it. It's actually sloping down. And it's like the vanishing point that. idea in art when you're trying to do perspective. Actually, absolutely. So that horizon keeps trying to rise to eye, eye level. And, and it gets to the point where you just can't see any farther. 
So clouds over your head, five, 10,000 feet in the air. You watch those clouds 20 or 30 miles away. They literally merge with the horizon and you can't see them. And they, they look like, they look like the horizon. They actually become the horizon the way our eyes see. And so, if you've ever been on a plane, just look at the horizon while you're up there. It seems to be rising up to meet you as well. Right. But there's times where the thickness of the air will actually block, just turns into sky, and the horizon will look like it dropped. That's just because you're not able to see that far. You can't see forever through the air, just like you can't see across a really long swimming pool underwater. The air is like water. And it just becomes opaque over distance, even when there's no clouds. It just becomes opaque. Yeah, there's water in the air. I mean, it's just literally, I have to say all the time, we're actually underwater right now. It's just thinner water. Right. I did an experiment where I put a drone up on a super clear day, and the sun was significantly off the horizon. And in five minutes time, it went down, 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 down. And then it kind of stopped right at the apparent horizon. And then I just... It just sat there for 10 minutes. Now, this video I'm showing is like 2,500 speed, and you'll watch. It never goes below the horizon. It just fades into the thickness. Here, it'll show it again over here. It just sits there, and it fades away. The sun is still there. It just can't push through the air back to us. It That's amazing. Sits- I've never seen that. Yeah, so... So here's the funny thing is people are, well, I've I've never seen that. I've seen it disappear from the bottom up. My friends are down at the beach right now, and they saw the sun set from the bottom up 10 minutes earlier. Okay? And that's because they're looking across miles of water, and then there's land and trees over there, and all of that looks like eye level to them. It looks like the horizon. So here are the trees in the distance, and as the sun just goes away, it looks like it sets behind it. It's all due to perspective because anything above your eye line that's opaque will block anything above it as it just goes away. It looks like it's setting. So when I look at a city skyline 30 miles away, it kind of looks eye level to me. And when the sun goes beyond it, it looks like it sets below it. And when you're watching the sunset over water, you're watching, you're watching clouds that, uh, that, are, have merged with the horizon. So as the sun goes beyond clouds, it always gets, goes from the bottom up. And then it, it takes the cloud, it takes the, you know, as it passes the cloud, it, it sets on the cloud. Well, the farthest clouds are merged with the horizon and the sun just goes beyond it. And it looks like it's setting from the bottom up, but it's just going beyond something that's above your eye level. That really makes sense. I've never had it explained to me that yeah. way before um but that does exp- that really does illustrate like uh now, this perspective thing in a more sensible way that you can experience yourself easily if you test it with things that are closer right. and again we're explaining this on a, on a people that are just listening on the app click the question mark go to the what about sunsets dozens of these videos explaining um animations of them and real video showing you exactly what happens. Now, what happens when you have a super clear day, you have, uh, you have no humidity in the air, you're at high elevation and in a very arid place. The sun will stop going down, it will sit there, and it'll just shrink into a little dot. 
chance, there it goes. It's just moving across the earth. And as Paul McCartney says, the fool on the hill sees the sun going down, but the eyes in his head see the world spinning round. It just goes away. (laughs) I love it, man. And we've got so much more to talk about in the second hour. I think it's interesting, too, how much like, you know, Beatles and Paul McCartney and other pop culture things are constantly hinting at this. And and maybe that's something else to talk about when we're getting into why the lie, not just why the lie, but how the lie, like what kind of organization would be required to keep the information compartmentalized in such a way that uh, that somehow this grand illusion is continually pulled off for generation after generation, even as our optics can continue to improve. And like our mutual friend Crow says, uh, there's a law in the modern age that if something can be filmed in HD, it will be and already has been. So where's all the, you know, where's the astronaut pulling out his iPhone while he's doing the spacewalk? Why do we have to, (laughs) why? I mean, we talked about this with Crow enough to not go there, but like you can blow apart all the footage that NASA ever shows you. And so the last thing I'll ask is what do you, what do you tell someone that says, well, we have pictures of the earth from space. Yeah, pictures of the Earth from space. So in the next hour, we're going to just get into NASA for a little bit. And if I could show you that NASA's lying about one thing, everything will unwind. But I'm going to show you that NASA's lying about every single thing. NASA even admits they have no photographs of Earth. They have just images and pictures, which are not photographs. The continent sizes don't line up. None of it makes any sense. And they even have one of their... Uh, they call him a visual artist at NASA in an interview said that he created it in Photoshop. He created the most famous image of earth, you know, on a computer from strips of data. And he stepped and repeated, you know, clouds. It's the most ridiculous stuff. And, you know, people will make excuses saying, well, the satellites, you know, the pictures had to be stitched together and he tried to make it look nice. There are no photographs of earth, right? But there are, you know, supposedly photographs of other planets, which is ridiculous. The pictures they have of Pluto are, you know, are laughable at best. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And they will tell you if you actually look more deeply that those are art, artists' renderings, artists' interpretations. And absolutely, the fact that they put out a picture of the so-called planet Earth from space where you can look at one picture from one year and another from another year and doesn't even is not even the same size of land masses or that as you put said they repeat uh using a, a cloud stamp on the image to just like use the same exact cloud formations in different parts of the planet because they just i guess no I, nobody is going to look twice they're just going to see are, they're going to they miss the dumb? trees for the forest are they that dumb or are they letting us know are they doing it to not break our free will and cuz they always have to let us know and the 2012 image of Earth, I laid it out over this land map, shows you, all right, this is what we're seeing on this side of the ball, and all of the rest of the land has to be on the other side of the ball. All of that land <laughs> has to be on the other side of that ball for that to be a photograph. What's the Mercator projection? It, well, it doesn't even matter. This is just, this is the approximate sizes. It, none of it makes any sense. Look at the size of the United States. It, it makes no sense at all. Where's Antarctica? Where's any of this? Yeah, it's hilarious, man. It's it really is. I can't believe that. Uh, I can't believe people are so stuck 
stuck on this. The ridicule factor <clears throat> that people receive for talking about this maybe is why it's not a bigger thing right now. But why would he, why would YouTube censor this type of material and not all kinds of other trash that's on there? You know, it's obvious what is going on, but we got to wrap up the first hour and I want you to make sure and give everyone the many different resources that they can uh, find you through once again. The, the best, the best thing that you can do is get the app. And then that's the best thing you can do for yourself. It's $2 and 99 cents. So you're buying me a half of a beer almost, and it'll give you an endless resource of information. And when you're talking flat earth with your friends, because you will become a flat earther if you take the challenge and then you're going to need resources. When people say, well, what about this? You can go to the app and pull up at a, at a click, everything you need. It's called the Flatter Sun, Moon, and Zodiac Clock app. If you're watching on a computer, you can just point your phone right there, your camera, and it'll show right up. It's the number one hit. If you have Android, it's, uh, you have to have uh, operating 8.0 or better, which shouldn't be a problem. I think they're up to 11 now. And then on the Apple App Store, it's there. It's by Blue Water Bay. If you see on Android, there's some knockoffs that are free. If you get the free one, don't send me an email telling me my app sucks because it's not my app, All right? And then... Uh, my YouTube channel is D-I-T-R-H, the initials for Deep Inside the Rabbit Hole. And I have all short killer videos there that, you know, that'll turn you into a flat earther by itself. Or you can take the flat earth uh, podcast challenge, start from the first episode. And I challenge you to go through 10 episodes without becoming um, a flat earth, flat earth understander or believer or knower, whatever you want to call it. And uh, you too can lose the respect of your friends and family like we did. Uh, well, you know, maybe it's easier for us to throw that out the window in 2021 after we've already had a major hill to die on with the pandemic in 2020 that has yeah. turned out to only validate stuff that people like us have been saying for a long time about what's planned and what's coming. But we'll we'll get into these things in hour two. David, it's been a blast in this first hour. I learned some stuff and I'm way less agnostic <laughs> than I was before because I have a more of a I have more ammunition for the knowing category and I, and, I love it. And, and for the people in the second hour, if you know what Bitcoin is, I have a Bitcoin for you to give the, the first person that can give me one proof of the globe, one proof of the spinning globe. I have a Bitcoin. That's worth a lot. It's worth uh, $42,000 of this as of this morning. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, good luck out there with that people that want a Bitcoin and I'd love yeah. to see it if they pulled it off, but all right, we'll move over to the second hour. Thanks everyone for tuning in. You can find David's links in the show notes and the link to Patreon to get the rest of this conversation. Thanks, man. My people, I am glad to have this episode done and posted. Uh, it's really been a long time in the making to have a conversation that questions something like this very deep foundational element to our worldview and the reality that we think we're in. <laughs> and I'm really glad you went on this journey with me. I hope that you didn't get the idea that I'm trying to tell you that I know what this realm is that we reside within. But I also hope that if you were convinced one way or the other that at least you were able to open-mindedly look at some of the things we talked about this time around. And, you know, there's a lot more people than ever being aware of censorship online. And you might be wondering why this relates, but while there's all this partisan censorship going on and all this like distraction, in my opinion, with the 
Whatever happened in Washington, D.C., still haven't bothered to fully look into the details of that farcical fairy tale. But, you know, the fact that Parler's been removed from the app stores and Amazon deplatformed their servers and um, everyone's up, not everyone, but a lot of people are up in arms that Big Orange Man got taken off of Facebook and Twitter and that Big Tech is stealing our freedom of speech. But most of these people are not. Uh, that are upset about this, and I'm glad that they're upset about censorship, but they're upset about it because the, their guy and their little sub-community is getting censored. But many of these same people would have no idea that while all this big tech crackdown on the political right has been going on, for months and even years, YouTube has been quietly censoring and quietly remo- uh, removing from search results and making things harder to find. Anything that has to do with um, logical and and positive perspectives on cha- that challenge the narrative of where we live, the shape of the realm that we're in, or the history that we've been given. Uh, the historical narrative, the more you explore it, it is just full of holes. There is more inconsistency than anything that makes sense about it. And that's a big can of worms that I hope to crack into several times this year with some good guests. If you know anybody that's on the level of like a John Levi, that does the type of research that I'm referring to in alternative history, like uh, Howdy Radosky. I don't know if I said his last name right. There's this guy named Howdy. Uh, I should look that up real quick. But <laughs> there's a lot of guys that are doing this research that show old buildings uh, that look like they're melted, and they compare the story of like when these fantastic old structures were built in North America to the. Uh, actual reality of how hard it would be to build these things and none of it really makes sense and this type of stuff is being censored along with flat earth stuff just as much if not more than the political right and if many people are now starting to think hey they're censoring information about vaccines they're censoring information about media events that don't go with the uh what the mainstream is saying happened there yeah that is all true but And if that makes you think that those ideas might have some merit because they're being kept from you by the gatekeepers, well, maybe there's some merit to the alternative history and to the alternative cosmology. So, yeah, I hope you guys have already been asking big questions like this. As far as why I've never brought it up on the show, I didn't find the right person that I felt good about having this conversation with until I came across David, and I like what he's I like the way he presents the information. I like his vibe. I like his overall, the rest of his worldview. 2021 is going to be tricky to schedule for me because it's not like I want to keep people's voices away from the podcast that disagree with me, but it's like, if you're, (laughs) you know, there's a lot of these foundational lies that if at this point you haven't caught on to it, then the other stuff that you have to say, I just wonder like how accurate you are or if you're even attempting to be accurate or if it's just like, this is the thing you want to sell. So it's tricky for me. I would love more guest recommendations from you guys, the audience, because uh, especially if you can put me in touch with the person, I have several on my hit list that I want to talk to. There's always going to be more than I can get to, even if I become a little more stringent with uh, that selection. And maybe I won't even be that much more stringent. I don't know. I kind of play it month by month as far as what comes up on the podcast. But I know I want to talk about more stuff. Like this at this level. <clears throat> Sorry, got something in my throat. 
Anyway, I want to talk about more stuff that is this challenging to the narrative of the reality. And I think it's good because in, in the second hour, yeah, I forgot to tell you, there's a whole second hour of this show. If you're new here, maybe followed on from one of David's platforms and you found out about this interview he did. There's a, like a lot of other podcasts, there's a second hour of every show I do for only five bucks a month on Patreon. You get access to all the second hours and they're great. And this one's no different. And a big part of the second hour this time was the why the lie question. And that is what everyone should be asking about all of the different lies that we've been told. I don't, I mean, this isn't to sound negative or anything. This is just the reality as I've experienced it. But pretty much everything that we were taught as children and in public school and about science and this or that, when you look into it more deeply, the things we took for granted is true end up being inversions of the truth. So I know it's a big leap, but I, I do hope you're open-minded enough to think maybe even there's been an inversion in terms of, you know, the realm that we're in, <laughs> what we think about it. I see it as an inversion, the spinning uh, speck in the infinite void floating aimlessly separate from the creator. To me, that seems disempowering. <clears throat> yeah throat <clears throat> really sorry about all that i might even edit those coughs out but if i don't that's just me being authentic <laughs> saw a funny meme but like a, a marijuana smoker's cough really freaks people out these days i can't remember the meme why describe a meme when you don't have a visual for it but yeah that's just my weed cough guys i don't have the covid <laughs> but okay so we we really do need to think about where we got our version of the earth from because yeah nasa is a big part of it your schooling is a big part of it and maybe even they gave you a few like historical examples or stories of like this guy figured out the earth was round by doing these calculations and that's all cool but mostly it came from star wars mostly it came from star trek and sci-fi and television and movies and video games don't lie to yourself. That is why we've spent so long believing in this like multiplanetary infinite universe. I'm not saying the universe isn't infinite. I'm not even saying that there aren't other worlds that you can go to. Surely infinity being infinity, there's got to be endlessness forever, right? But it's just important that we don't buy the BS anymore. NASA lies about everything. Like I could pick apart anything I ever have seen from NASA once I started trying to do it. It just never really adds up. It's almost like they want you to catch on. It's bizarre. And so if all our stories are coming from TV, we need to throw that out and start from scratch and just go ahead and trust our senses before anything else. And if we come, if we come to understand through our senses that some other aspect of our senses were incorrect or illusory, great. Great. And mathematics can do that, sure, but none of us have been up in the sky high enough to actually know what we're on, what we're looking at. But I have been in a plane, and it doesn't look curved. I do think <laughs> it doesn't. And anyway, this uh, to me, helio-nonsensical is a great word for the worldview everyone's in. I'm not saying I know the correct worldview. Very interested to find out more. And I don't think it's a hill to die on as far as trying to argue with someone about this, but I do think at a certain point of your development, it starts to click syncretically with all the other things that you might have researched in astrology or 
spiritual whatever or you know everything kind of converges in the syncretic view and the flat earth can kind of provide that depending on what model you're looking at and these are all just models just like the spinning globe things a model my favorite is norbs but go to norbs world on youtube i'll link that in the show notes let me make a quick note of it norb yeah i type that okay that'll let me know to put that in the show notes this really good norbs video that breaks down a conceptualization called cosmic egg, or he calls it orb theory. And it's a type of flat earth slash globe hybrid. Eh, You'll just have to see it. The art that he made for it is awesome. I've talked about it before. I even did a whole episode on a show called The Conspiracists back last year, where I talked about cosmic egg for a whole episode. That was really fun. And I want you to check that out because just getting that imagery in your mind gives you a very cool ability to recognize the like fractal thing we're describing this as above so below octave thing that really what we're in is a giant body of some kind and maybe it doesn't have a shape like our body but maybe it's like an egg maybe it hasn't even birthed out of what it's developing yet who knows fun things to think about and i think a lot more empowering than the aliens are our saviors or aliens are our you know enslavers type of thing might as well be angels and demons for as supernatural as the stories about them are. And even think about that word supernatural. Does it even make sense? If nature is all of reality in existence, then how can something be supernatural? How can it be beyond nature? Kind of like saying beyond God. I don't like it anymore. <laughs> so, as many experiences as I've had that are mind-blowing and Outside of like what you consider the materialist view of reality, I don't even think they're supernatural. Even what you call ghosts or something like that. That's not necessarily supernatural. Anyway, word magic is a hell of a thing. So there's one to watch out for. Anybody that's trying to sell you supernaturalism in a form of spirituality uh, that you can't experience yourself and they're the special one that they experienced it and they're the one to tell you. Like they, they got contacted by the alien. How's that different than... They were told by Zeus that they needed to spread this word or whatever. It's all the same shit over and over again, different package. Okay, I've been really ranting for a while, and I want to tell you about the plus extension because we've been going, and some of you might have dropped off by now, but those who are still tuned in, thanks for still being here. If you're new, like I said, please sign up to Patreon. If you've been a subscriber for a while to the free hour, never been a better time to get the second hour because this one was jam-packed with fun double your pleasure double double your fun i am excited about it just that's why i'm talking so fast (laughs) uh so we talked about more evidence of deception he calls them proofs i don't i hesitate to call anything proofs because any they are kind of proofs because it's just like what you observe to me a proof is only required for something that you can't verify with the self-evident senses Uh, that you can observe with, you know, if you have to prove it with math, then at some level, it's an abstract idea that's coming from the imagination and it can get all twisted up. So I wouldn't necessarily call everything a proof, but I would say this stuff is definite evidence of deception. You can finally find evidence for sure all day. Now, when it comes to NASA, the proofs that we, uh, we, or David, I guess, showed against NASA like their wire harnesses that you can see, their CGI green screens, and the zero-G planes that they use to simulate this idea of being in orbit. 
those are proofs because it's very evident. It's like you don't have to do any math or a wonky equation or thought experiment to be able to understand that what you're looking at that NASA is presenting you is totally fake. So that's cool. Like I said, we got into more of the question of why the lie, the spiritual side of that. Good stuff. Very important. Probably the most important meat of the whole conversation. We discussed mysteries of the moon and the sun and the possible true light source that the sun is just projecting. Uh, or the sun is a projection of this true light source. That's a better way of putting it. Maybe it's the source source. I don't know. We showed the strangeness of stars when viewed through a scope. And if you haven't seen that before, they don't look like Star Wars stars. If you zoom in like with a night. Uh, Nikon or is a Canon T? I don't know. He he brought up a certain camera that works really well. But if you have a strong scope and you look at stars up close, they are wiggly, colorful, weird, crazy-looking things, and it's bizarre. Looks kind of like they're coming through some sort of non-vacuumous medium. It doesn't look like the the light is coming through a vacuum. But we also talked about star children. That concept. Like that uh, psychics have told me that I'm from Arcturus or I'm Arcturian. Got his take on that in his worldview. That was kind of fun. That led us to talking about the soul and speculating more on the heavenly bodies and what they might represent spiritually in an alchemical sense. But man, I do hope you sign up for plus on this one. I probably need to promote it harder. I need to promote the show more in general. But all I really like to do is make it. And that's my excuse. So I really need you guys out there to do a little bit of sharing, if you can, like to in a one-on-one conversation, in a message, a direct message to someone maybe, like, or even talking to them if you can get away with not being socially distant where you are. And I feel for a lot of my friends, man, right now. It's hard, especially my artist friends that make two-thirds of their income going to shows or play at bars or restaurants or places where they can do little exhibitions. All that stuff, especially in places like Canada, gonzo, and it's crazy. Yeah, I don't want to get into it. I thought about telling a story about a friend of mine who got busted by the police for going on a walk past curfew and gave him a hard time for walking, hurting nobody. But I'll just leave it at that, that stuff is happening, and uh, we don't start standing up for ourselves harder. And... Detaching and ignoring the lies more and more is not going to get better for ourselves. Uh, We need to find a way to be as separate from the system as we can while not, you know, blowing up our lives. And it's tricky. I'm not there yet, but keep we'll keep intending it and keep talking about it and see where it gets us. Things are definitely changing one way or the other. But um, other ways you can support the show other than the Patreon thing, which is totally worth it and Man, five bucks in 2020, 2021. You know, they printed 20-something percent of all the money that was ever made uh, of U.S. dollars just last year. So I know that your $5 is not worth as much as it used to be. And I need it more than I used to for the same reason. So hook a guy up. All right, that's enough begging. (laughs) Oh, you know what? One other thing. I don't put ads in the show. There's no ads. I could have sponsors right now. I could try to make money off of taking your time and holding it hostage, even for things that were products that I believed in. I just don't want to do it. That's my authenticity here. I don't want to do that. I want the support to come because you wanted to give it to me and not because I got you interested in someone else's product 
There's a lot of good products out there. Uh, I do have one affiliate program set up, so I guess this is kind of hypocritical for me to mention. But in the show notes for every episode, there are multiple ways you can help. The podcast, you can leave a review on iTunes, which is cool. You can shop at Secret Energy, which this isn't an ad, but just check out the link. There's good stuff there. (laughs) It's not an ad because I say so. (laughs) But, yeah, I I don't know. I, I, I do support that shop. I just don't really want to ever make ads a big part of the show. And I do make that available because I shop there. And you could be an affiliate from them too. It's not like a big secret uh, process. It's really easy. Anyway, there's other ways to help. PayPal directly. Send me PayPal money if you really wanted. But I'd rather that you're getting the plus extensions. And if you didn't catch me, yeah, I guess I didn't tell everyone this, but hey. There was another show that I was on that was great that I'd love you to check out called Enter the Mystery with a guy named Cam Keefe. And he hit me up on Instagram and wanted to talk. And he likes this podcast, which is cool. So I got to have an hour-long flow state with him talking about my journey and kind of my perspective on life, the universe, and everything. And it was a cool conversation, and it felt good to do. And I'd love it if you could hear that too. You know what else you get on Plus, by the way, that I didn't tell you about? You might already know this, but there's an extra episode every month where I get together with people that are $12 or up plus members and we talk about whatever they want to talk about. And so I just published one of those last week too. So you've got more bonus content than just the plus extensions and the regular episodes to look forward to if you do sign up. Those are a lot more casual and candid, but they're very cool. And it's, I mean, I could talk to probably any of you out there for two hours if I had time to, and you had time to, and we could really come to some amazing realizations together and harmonize together. And hopefully you can vibe off the harmony that I create with guests here. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to spread that good energy that I feel when I have these type of talks, even about difficult things like the shape of the earth. And I'll say one more time before I get out of here, thank you to David Weiss for coming on and giving us a great presentation on all these things and more. (laughs) Hope you guys liked my intro. I I wrote an actual intro for this one. Got an email from someone saying they missed my intros and I think I forgot to reply to it and it was an awesome email. I'll get to it soon. I'm sorry. I'm the worst at answering emails in a timely fashion. Uh, (laughs) It's not even when it's a fun person to talk to in a fun conversation. For some reason, the act of like making myself start doing that is not that fun. I've got a lot of flaws, people. But that was an awesome one to receive, and I love hearing from you guys, even if you don't hear back from me right away. makes me happy when I know that y'all are listening and connecting. So, fun times. I'm going to play this out with a Drum Spider track. I think it's like 10 years old. A cool remix of it that I came across a couple days ago. You know what? One other thing. Send me music. Do you make music? Send me your music. Please do. It's always awesome. Or if you like anything that you sort of think I would like based on, I don't know, your intuition, send me that too. I need new music to listen to. We all do, especially, man, getting out of a rut. Sometimes it's hard to get new music whenever you're in a rut. You just don't feel drawn to it, right? And I think that the music that we listen to has a huge effect on where we're at in life, and it's symbolic. I mean, maybe it's not the thing causing where we're at in life, but it, you look back at your life, maybe you're like me, and you can see different eras of your personality and your development that mirrored the type of music you were into then and how that changed up to now. I don't know. 
And I need to get new music for that reason. <laughs> I need I need to get my shit together. So send me stuff you like. And enjoy this drum spider track. And thanks for being along with the ride and being cool about this topic that is so heavily, heavily restricted in thought experiments of the average person that it's blasphemy to even imagine that the globe model could be wrong. If you're watching in the video version, which I hope you did, man, here I go talking some more. You see in the background, I have this badass cosmic egg tapestry by Hakan, the Sim. And you should definitely look up cosmic egg, Hakan, H-A-K-A-N, to see that art. It's inexpensive to purchase as well. Cosmic Egg is really interesting stuff. I do hope you have a chance to check out the Norms video I'm putting in the end here. And now I really am going to go. Like I said, enjoy the drum spider. Love you guys. Always fun to talk to you. Sometimes I'm just like, man, what am I going to say? How am I going to do an outro? And then I sit down and find myself having to force myself to quit. Because it is a lot of fun to get into the flow with people that you love. And that's all of you. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Thanks for going on this adventure with me. Can't wait for the next one. Talk soon. Bye-bye.